The sermon text for this morning comes from Acts 8, verse 26. So if you please follow with me. Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Which, this is a desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man from of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Cadence, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had a charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, under- how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is a silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached, Jesus said to him, uh, sorry, Jesus to him, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is the water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when he... When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. For Philip was found in Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So far. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, recently we hear many negative things around the world. A few months ago, I remember Canada chose the liberal government, and the government seems to do the things that are against the biblical principles. And we see in some part of the world radical Muslims terrorizing. All many countries, Muslim population is growing in Europe, whereas churches are closing doors. 
And our brothers and sisters are still being persecuted. It seems that the kingdom of heaven is not advancing at all. But when we read the whole book of Acts, we are amazed by how fast the gospel spread out. We are amazed to see how God's salvation history continues after the ascension of Jesus Christ. And this reminds us of what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It is the smallest of the all seed. But when, he ha- when it has grown, it is larger than all garden plants and becomes a tree. We also remember that Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a leaven that woman took and hid in three measures of flour. Indeed, in the book of Acts, gospel was, was advancing so powerfully. And today's passage, Acts 8, is, is just one of good examples that shows how gospel began to spread around the world. After the Pentecost, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel spread out just like an erupting volcano. But just because the gospel was spreading so powerfully, just like leaven, just like Christ said, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit worked differently or more radically than He works now. Some people often misunderstood that Holy Spirit worked in a kind of coercive way? Actually, no. Because today's passage shows, that, shows how the Holy Spirit worked to spread the good news through people and by the preaching of the gospel. And we are going to look at the following theme and points. The Holy Spirit makes the gospel break through another barrier with the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. The first point we are going to look at, the Holy Spirit sends the messenger. The second point, the Holy Spirit testifies about Christ. And the third point, the Holy Spirit opens the heart. As we read in John 16, And it also is in John 14 that before Jesus Christ, he ascended into heaven, he he had promised of the Holy Spirit. And he also asked all the believers to stay in Jerusalem. It's in Acts 1 verse 4. Then the Holy Spirit came to all believers in Acts 2. With this powerful Holy Spirit, they started to testify boldly about Jesus Christ. There was a rapid growth of Christianity, but soon after, there was a a persecution. And this persecution was done by Saul. He became later uh, as Paul. And we read in Acts 8 verse 2 that there there was a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and people had to scatter around throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. And after Pentecost, everything seems to be going very well. 
The gospel was spreading out. Many people were excited about, about a Christian belief. And many people were converted. And all of a sudden, this great persecution arose. And again, this was just not mere, just an ordinary persecution. The scripture calls this a great persecution. Saul was entering from house to house, dragging off the men and women, and sent them to prison. And it certainly was a very hard time for God's people. But we have to see from the bird's eye view, and we have to know in his God's infinite wisdom, God used this persecution to carry out his salvation history. Perhaps we can say that this persecution in, in the early chapters of Acts functions as a catalyst for the spread of go- the gospel. In other words, the persecution didn't actually stop the spread of the gospel, but it helped the gospel to spread more quickly. We see this evidence in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. We read, Now those men were scattered when went, or, uh, went about preaching the word. And this chapter, chapter 8, is very crucial when it comes to the redemptive history. Before the ascension, Christ he told to his disciples and he said, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer on the third suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And the chapter A shows how the words of this Christ was being fulfilled. The gospel was spreading out from the Jerusalem to the world, and you can see that it is already happening in chapter 8. And we also, it is also important to take a note that the geographical setting where it, this passage is happening. The angel of the Lord, he asked Philip to go, go toward to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And the conversion of this, this Ethiopian eunuch probably did not take the, in the place of Jerusalem, but outside of Jerusalem. And Philip went down to the road, and Gaza was one of the, one of the five Philistine cities and was also the last water stop in uh, southwest Israel before entering to the desert on the way to Egypt and further to Africa. And it is likely that Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch in the desert area on the road before Gaza. And then we see that it was the angel of the Lord who called and directed uh, Philip. It was also the Spirit of the Lord who took Philip in verse 39 what does this mean? It means the Spirit had, had an insisting intention and interest to evangelize the, the, the Gentile. The lesson is this. God is the one who in, initiated, who initiates 
and directs all these things with his mysterious providence. In verse 3, Philip rose and went and looked. There was Ethiopian, a eunuch. He was a court office of Candace, a queen of Ethiopians. Candace is understood as a title of a queen's, just like a pharaoh is, is a title of the Egyptian kings. And then this eunuch was not just the ordinary eunuch. He was in charge of all her treasures. It was like, a, let's say, a secretary of treasures in, in today's term. But the scripture tells us that the eunuch had come to Jerusalem to worship. And this implies that eunuch was a God-fearer, one who worshipped God. Perhaps he was converted to Jewish religion. Although he was a God-fearer, if you looked at the practice in the ancient Israel, he was not part of God's people. He could not enter into the, the holy temple. He was isolated. But the passage says that the, he was the court official of the queen. He was sitting on a chariot. And this is probably not a something that you encounter every day. We don't usually see a secretary of treasure coming of Canada or high government officer riding Mercedes on the road here. But the more shocking thing is that the eunuch was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. And he ran to uh, the, the eunuch as the spirit commanded. And Philip heard him reading Isaiah prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? This particular moment is very interesting, I thought. Let's suppose that our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau comes to Owen Sound and you see him holding a book and you see the cover, the new King James. And it seems that he's reading Isaiah 53. Well, if I were there, I don't know if I would be able to approach to him and ask him, Sir, do you understand? I might just shy away. But in this passage, the Holy Spirit commanded Philip to join the chariot. And then look how Philip attempts to join the eunuch. He starts by asking about the scripture. We normally think that when you see somebody, from, somebody for the first time, you usually, usually, we usually begin a conversation with uh, small talks. You may begin by talking about whether a certain social issues such as, well, what do you think about the guy named Donald Trump down there? You build, try to build some kind, of gr- some kind of ground, basic ground first before you get into serious matters. Well, the Philip did uh, sort of the same thing. And he did so by establishing a ground on the scripture. Both Philip and eunuch had the same ground because the, it was the Holy Spirit who already worked in the heart of the eunuch. The Holy Spirit, through the scripture, in this case Isaiah 53, made it possible for Philip to have a scripture ground so that he can have a good conversation 
Although both of them, they had a different nationality, although one was, was Jew and the other was Ethiopian, they could have a good fellowship because their conversation had a ground is based upon the scripture. And again, which means they could break this barrier, their barrier of nationality or ethnicity because the Holy Spirit already worked in their hearts. We find the same thing when we see how Jesus Christ was teaching people. Jesus, was, Jesus always referred to the scripture when he was teaching his lesson. He had numerous quotations, reference from the Old Testament, especially when it comes to the salvation history. Jesus pointed himself as the fulfillment of all the writings of Moses, prophets, and writings. And when we read, when you read Acts chapter 8, especially today's passage, the natural tendency is that we tend to focus on human characters. We easily miss the lesson that the scripture teaches us. And let me summarize in the three lessons regarding how the Holy Spirit spread the good news. First, it is important to notice that this was initiated by the Holy Spirit. So, initiation by the Holy Spirit. The passage starts by an angel of the Lord speaking to Philip. We see the appearance of angel of the Lord whenever there is a very, very something important happening in the redemptive history. For instance, we see the angel of the Lord appearing several times in the Old Testament, announcing the birth of certain judges who plays a very important role in the salvation history of Israel. We also read the angel of the Lord announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. Even before that, we read the angel of the Lord announcing the birth of John the Baptist, who plays a very significant role before Christ. When you see the angel of the Lord, you know that it's, very, uh, it's the, the moment of the redemptive history. And those moments are initiated by the Lord. We also shouldn't forget that it was the Holy Spirit who initiated and gave the words to speak. We don't always know that whom to speak or what to say, but we, st- we will find that the Lord has often already made the preparation by working the hearts of the people we speak to. And this is very, very great comfort when we try to talk to unbelievers. Second, the Lord uses the human agents. Some people may say that God knows that who is elect and who is not. Therefore, God will bring His elect eventually, no matter what happens. Well, this notion of thinking is correct. 
I would say, half correct. Indeed, God will bring his elect eventually at the end, of course. Yet this notion of thinking might lead people into a wrong direction. Some people may go further and say something radical, such as, since God will gather his elect eventually, we have no motivation to evangelize. Why do we even bother? He's going to bring his people anyway. Brothers and sisters, you see already in this passage, Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is using Philip to approach to the person. The Holy Spirit was using Philip's lips to explain the gospel. God uses, God uses various agents. He used various agents such as prophets, judges, kings, and priests to bring his word to his people in the times of New Testament and present day. God used God uses ministers, elders to explain his scripture. I don't know you have you might you might have heard the name Hudson Taylor. He was the he was the founder of China Inland Mission. He spoke well when he said God works God's work is not men's working for God. It is God's one work through men's hands. Third, the explanation of the word is very necessary. Although the eunuch he had Isaiah scroll in his hand, also he read the scroll, he could not understand. There seems to be a very striking similarity between Luke 24 and this passage. In Luke 24, there's a, there were two disciples going to Emmaus, and they didn't realize that Jesus had to die according to the Old Testament until Jesus explained. It is the same today. The Lord comes and he explains through the work of ministers. When ministers, when they struggle with the sermons, when the ministers explain what those particular passage means, that we get closer and closer to God. And that's what Jesus did in his ministry. He had learned that Old Testament when he was young. He grew in wisdom. It's in Luke chapter 2. And he, of course, he perfectly obeyed all the laws and he perfectly understood what all the scriptures. And of course, he explained to people. Sometimes he used parables. Sometimes he used some, some examples. And of course, this works. This work still continues not only through the hands of the ministers, but it could be done through your hands when you meet unbelievers. We may not see an angel of the Lord appearing to us, just like in Acts chapter 8, commanding us to evangelize people, but the same Holy Spirit who dwells in us is actually asking us and commanding us to testify about Jesus Christ 
you have easy access to Bible and you know well of the Bible, why not use your talents and opportunity to share the good news with your neighbors, your friends, and your perhaps a boss? With the Holy Spirit inside you, you're holding the keys of the kingdoms. You may find an ample opportunity to explain why we need Jesus Christ. Perhaps you can do that in your, with your unbelieving friends and neighbors. And of course, when you do that, don't forget to pray for the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit, again, that changes people's heart. We are just an instrument. It leads to the second point. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus Christ. In this passage, we see the eunuch was very confused and puzzled. He invites Philip to go, come up to this chariot. Now the passage that the eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53. This was the, the Isaiah 53 is about the prophecy about Jesus Christ who became suffering servant for us. The eunuch still, he didn't still get the message. He asked a crucial question in verse 34. Does the prophet say about himself or about someone else? This question is very, very interesting, very crucial, especially for seminary students because we always struggle with whenever we face the prophetic prophetic uh, passages in the Old Testament. The question is, what is the Old Testament prophecies talking about? For many, many years, all those things that Moses, kings, and prophets, they testify about something that is about to come. What are they all about? And that is the very good question when you think about it. It's a very good question, especially when you consider that it was the Gentile who asked that question. In verse 35, Philip opened his mouth. He gave the answer that eunuch was looking for. Philip told a good, he said Philip told a good news about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the lesson is this. Jesus Christ was the key answer to the eunuch's question. Please pay special notes on Philip's answer. He said, good news about Jesus. Well, the passage says he said the good news about Jesus, but actually when you read in the Isaiah passage, you know the Isaiah passage well, that you don't find anything joyful actually. Isaiah 53, if I may summarize, it says like this, He carried our sorrows, he was smitten by God, and afflicted, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. How could this be joyful news? How does, how does that work? How could such a de- depressing passage like Isaiah 53 can be a good news for a Gentile. 
And that is why we need the explanation. Of course, it is a good news because the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ brought us a peace. The eunuch did not understand because nobody explained how Christ carried our sin away by his sufferings. A similar, similar thing happened in Luke 24. The two disciples were heading to Emmaus. They were totally confused and puzzled because their master, their Lord, just has been crucified. And Jesus opened their, their eyes and their mind to understand the scripture. Luke 24, it says, Jesus began to explain the Moses and all the prophets. Jesus also had to explain all the scriptures which were pointing to himself. What is this content Content of the prophecy? That is, Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. What can, what can we learn from this? The lesson is very simple. Christ is the only key to the puzzle. Without Christ, there's no way to understand the whole flow of the scripture. There's a famous saying that all roads lead to Rome. Well, the scripture itself testifies that all the passages lead to Jesus Christ. We can also see that this Christology is indispensable for our personal faith. During his earthly ministry, Jesus always taught the Christology. Well, what is a Christology? Christology is the study of Christ. Christology tells us that Jesus is the main character of the whole Bible. All the promises, promise of land, promise of seed, promise of heaven, promise all those promises point to Jesus Christ as the fulfillment. The fact is that the eunuch who was reading Isaiah 53 is very interesting. Why? Because it, it is connected with Isaiah 56. If you have a chance, I hope you can uh, read both passages later because it's very interesting. The theme of Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant is pointing to the new era of Isaiah 56. And Isaiah 56 contains a beautiful promise, especially to eunuch and Gentiles. It says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Interesting, isn't it? It is very nice prophecy because, as you know, eunuchs cannot have children. Therefore, they, their names cannot continue forever. But because they, are, they become the part of God's people through the work of Jesus Christ, their names will, be, will not be cut off 
And it is such a beautiful promise of those, those eunuchs who believe in Jesus Christ. And some scholars suggest that Philip should, should have waited a little longer until the eunuch gets to Isaiah 56. Anyway, uh, since Isaiah 53 was pointing to the new era of Isaiah 56, perhaps if he continued reading through Isaiah 56, perhaps he could have, have this much comfort. But today's passage does not indicate anywhere that eunuch managed to read to Isaiah 56. But again, the point is this. The new era of this promise is only possible through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Therefore, if we may apply this message to the eunuch, Christ is indispensable to the eunuch's personal faith. And this Christ's work even broke the barrier of being eunuch or Gentile. This leads to the last point. The Holy Spirit opens the heart. When Philip and eunuch came to the water, some water that eunuch requested the baptism, I believe that Philip must have preached to him about faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, What prevents me from being baptized? The message of Jesus Christ not only calls the people to believe, but also calls people to react. After hearing the message, believers are assured of the covenant covenant promises. After hearing about Jesus Christ, on every Sunday, the true believers with a true faith, they will act out their faith. In this case of eunuch, it was the baptism. This is so beautiful because the result of his faith is in a perfect accordance with what Jesus said in, what Jesus said in uh, Mark 16. He said, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. After the eunuch was baptized, the Holy Spirit takes away to Philip. And it also sounds like Luke 24. Why did the Holy Spirit take him away? Perhaps we can find the answer of that question in, in Luke 24. When the two disciples opened, their eyes were opened, and when they recognized Jesus Christ, he disappeared. Then what happened? Well, the disciples were reminded of what Jesus said and went back to Jerusalem to testify. Let's suppose that Jesus, he did not disappear and he was still there with them. Then probably the disciples were, were obsessed with the presence of Jesus rather than focusing on their mandate. In John 16 verse 7, Jesus said, It is profitable that you for you that I should go away, for unless I go away, the Helper will not come to you. The Helper here, of course, is the Holy Spirit who remains each one of you sitting here right now to remind you of your mandate, which is to testify your Lord Jesus Christ. 
if Jesus stayed on the earth, then we would be like those two women clinging, clinging, clinging to Jesus after his resurrection, being obsessed with Christ's body. And they were distracted from the most important truth, the gospel message and their mandate. If we are obsessed with these trivial things, then we wouldn't be able to act out our faith in our daily life. This is, that is why we need to keep our focus on the message of Jesus Christ. When we can express our faith in various ways, the scripture doesn't say what the eunuch did after he went back, but we can't assume that he probably was spreading the gospel. The scripture says he went away rejoicing. He must be sharing the good news with his neighbors because he was so happy. And so did Philip. He found himself in Azotus, another Philistine city. He doesn't stop there. He kept on testifying about Jesus Christ until he came to Caesarea, which was the Roman capital of Judea. Brothers and sisters, how about your life? Is your knowledge of Jesus Christ, is your Christology, Christology make you, making you to testify your Lord Jesus Christ to your neighbor? Is your knowledge of Jesus Christ make you to live a good Christian life? I hope you are. And I wish you Lord's blessings and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we, you can boldly testify about what our Lord has done for us in our daily life. Amen.